Hello, and welcome to Biography with me. I am Emily. And I'm Janelle. And today we are starting our long endeavor <laughs> of the Code Breaker. It's not like the last one. This is actually, this is this is not uh, Shackleton's endurance jersey journey. <laughs> yeah, or Mindy Kaling's kind of like fun book. I mean, this is a fun book, but it's a lot more detailed, in-depth craziness. But we'll start with telling you guys about it. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. So we read, well, we started The Code Breaker, um, which is a 2021 New York Times bestseller um, book that talks about um, Jennifer Doudna. And I'm going to start by reading the back of the book because that will explain it better than me. So um, when Jennifer Doudna was in sixth grade, she became uh, she came home one day to find a paperback, The Double Helix, on her bed. She became enthralled by the intense drama behind the competition to discover the building blocks of life. Even though her high school counselor told her girls didn't become scientists... Fuck you. Um, no. <laughs> the, the back of the book does not say that? The back of the book does not say that, but oh my um, gosh. Also, fuck you. Yeah. She decided she would. Driven by a passion to understand how nature works, Downa and her collaborators invented a tool that will transform the human race, a tool that can edit DNA, known as CRISPR. It has opened a brave new world of medical miracles and moral questions, hastening our transition to the next generation, the next great innovation revolution. Doudna became a leader in wrestling with CRISPR's moral issues and with her collaborator, Emmanuel Charpentier, which... I'm just blown away that I spelled Charpentier the way that I did because I'm not even close listening to the audiobook. Uh, back to the paperback. Uh, won the Nobel Prize in 2020. Her story is a thrilling detective tale that involves the most profound wonders of nature from the origins of life to the future of our species. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Or dun dun dun. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little of both. A little bit of both. But yeah, so. Um, I guess I'll let you start off with anything that you knew about Jennifer Doudna or about this book before <laughs> I, I suggested we <laughs> read it. Emily suggested this book and I did not know what I was getting into. <laughs> I think the first thing you said is you looked it up and you said it's 16 hours. <laughs> the audiobook is 16 hours. Well, yes. Let's be clear. It's a, it's a long one. It's a doozy. So for obvious reasons, we're breaking this episode up. Yes. Woo! It, it will at least be two episodes, maybe three. But I, th I think with this, we've gone through half of the book. Yeah. So um, I do not know anything about this field. I am a material science engineer. I do nothing with biology or microbiology or microchemistry. Any <laughs> of that. Anything to deal with genes. Emily. <laughs> Nor is a prerequisite to be on this podcast, but of course I saw this book and was like, ooh, we should do this on the podcast. I don't know if people will enjoy it, but I think in reading the book, I think people, it's very accessible to I multiple agree. audiences. Um, I am a genetic counselor and I work in a uh, next generation sequencing lab. So this book was interesting to me, although... There was a lot of stuff that I had to look up and there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know. So I think, you know, again, it's a little bit for everyone. Yeah, there's definitely some science involved, but yeah. the stories, the background, the themes, it will keep you engaged. Um, that was my biggest 
the fear. Story. Yeah. Yeah. The going into help. it. The stories really help. And that's one thing um, Walter Isaacson does really well with his writing is that he makes sure to include the background on everybody. Uh, so you really get an idea of their personality. Speaking of Walter Isaacson, we should note that this book is about Jennifer Doudna and her journey, but it is written by Walter Isaacson, and then the voice in the audiobook is a woman. So it gets a little confusing, but Walter Isaacson um, is a university professor of history at Tulane and has been CEO of the Aspen Institute, chairman of CNN, and editor of Time Magazine. Um, and he has authored um, many different kind of um, biographical books, including Leonardo da Vinci, Steve Jobs, Einstein, His Life and Universe, Benjamin Franklin, An American Life, and Kissinger, a biography. So um, this is kind of like his milk and honey. Yeah. I can't say I've ever read any of his pieces or I haven't either. He was, but yeah. definitely an interesting perspective. And I think since it is a biography instead of a... Um, autobiography you can tell some of his opinions I think yeah there are times where I'm like is this guy really an ass or am I being swayed yeah and I even though it's kind of and he even says like the star of the book is Jennifer Downa you learn about so many different people and like he goes into the backgrounds of different people who are kind of key players in the story so it, it was like an interesting take yes. which I liked Absolutely. Um, so that is kind of the um, whatever background of the book. Um, do you want to talk about the structure of it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I read the Audible. <laughs> Same. We have someone on the Audible train. Yes. Yeah. I. It's just like so much. I find it really hard to like sit down sometimes and like actually read a book and I want to be better at it because I'm like I should be doing other things I should be like multitasking so I like like listening to the book and like folding laundry or going on a walk or something but I did order the book so I think for the second half I'm gonna read it <laughs> knock on what a glass I don't know but yeah we'll see yeah no I I agree with you it's hard to like I think for me I'm like always go, go, go. So it's hard just to like sit and read when yeah. I feel like I have a million other things to do. Totally Audible is just nice and consumable. Mm -hmm. and yeah. When I say I read it, I listen to it. And yeah, you can pause it and go, but yeah. Skip ahead. You can go to the This chapter. is not an ad for Audible. Um, uh, Audible sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> no free ads moving forward. <laughs> um, so the structure of the book, we have a nine part, 16 hour, 56 chapter book. I think it's like 552 pages or something like yeah. that. Like it's big. It's definitely daunting at first, but um, we are going to cover parts one through three today. Each of the parts um, from what it seems so far is that they're really going to focus on a certain area of particularly uh, in relation to Jennifer Doudna's life mm -hmm. and how it relates back to her. Um, there are parts that go into other people's research and their background, which helps kind of keep everything fresh and alive. And then um, how it all relates back to her so far is very, very interesting. But nine different parts, Origins of Life, which is both Jennifer's life and mm -hmm. creation, which is yeah. fun. We talk about CRISPR, gene editing, CRISPR in action, 
uh, moral questions, which is going to be a fun, fun one. Yeah. <laughs> CRISPR babies, another fun one. Yikes. A little controversial. Um, we have dispatches from the front. We talked about coronavirus and their role with CRISPR. Um, so just tons, tons of stuff to cover here. But um, with what we're covering we're already about halfway through. Yeah, part three was very long, but I think part three was kind of like the meat of the big story behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw, t- I think it was on Amazon, it was like for the most up-to-date information on coronavirus, yeah. which I thought was like really cool. Like um, it's information for everyone right now. Mm-hmm. There's also a kid version of the no book, way. which I didn't listen to or look into it. I, ju- I just saw it. Um, I was like, maybe I should have <laughs> read that one. <laughs> one. I'm guessing it's just like a little bit less of the like science or maybe like a little bit more digestible. But yeah, I mean, go get your books. They're, go get your books. It's really good. Yeah, I agree. So I think if it's good with you, I think we kind of cover it similar to how we covered Shoe Dog and yeah. go through. Just go through and like... Touch on, I mean, there's... Touch on the major themes. Yeah. Touch on our favorite parts of those. And then we'll really yeah. get into it. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so much in this book. We're definitely not going to be able to cover it all, but I think we'll cover the main points. Um, Emily is going to give you some science. I'm going to give you guys some science just because it's that's important. what the book did for us. Yes. And it helped it be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> starting off, what is CRISPR? <laughs> so it's C I, sorry, C R I S P R, um, and it stands for clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. Um, so it's not CRISPR like crispy. Um, it's a <laughs> <laughs> different thing. Um, and so it is a family of DNA sequences found in the genomes of prokaryotic, which are single-celled organisms that don't have a distinct nucleus. Um, uh, organisms such as bacteria and archaea, um, from these sequences, um, they derive DNA fragments called bacteriophages, which are viruses that infect and replicate within bacteria, um, that had previously infected the prokaryote. So (laughs) lots of information there. Hang on. (laughs) But basically it is areas of the genome that were discovered that enabled this kind of tracking system to alter DNA. And we'll get more into that, but that's just kind of a little bit of background. I think that's good to like start us off and then we'll we'll go from there. Dive in as it becomes relevant. So after that, (laughs) how about you start off with something? Origins of life. Covers a lot about Jennifer's background. That's a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. Let's start there, yes. <laughs> Can hear the movie now. Um, so he really talks about um, Jennifer. And I think one thing important, Walter Isaacson interviewed tons of family, friends, co-workers, yes. researchers, people that worked under her. So a lot of people gave input on this. Um, mm-hmm. And Jennifer herself was interviewed multiple, multiple times. I think this one we get we do get a lot of influence from Jennifer herself over what drew her to science, mm-hmm. why she was interested in it, and it starts really when her family moved to Hawaii. Yeah, which I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting Hilo, Hawaii. Like this is so much fun, and she talks about 
sleeping grass and it was I really liked that part of the book yeah so a lot of that was her questioning like what makes it what makes this grass do it and is it really her is it him like inferring that this is why she got into it but yeah she specifically mentioned it to him at some point that you know what makes sleeping glass kind of curl up when you touch it or Mm -hmm. or do these different things she wanted to understand the why yeah of the things that she saw around her in nature and i think that's what got her interested in science and then also i mean like her dad seemed to play a very big role. I had that written down too. <laughs> her father treated her a little different than the other two sisters she had. I was like, he bought her a horse, comma, she is his favorite. <laughs> Every girl wants a pony. Yeah, liter- <laughs> literally, he's like, you can do anything in the world, and here's a horse to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Right? I also like how they, they describe her relationship with him as... The boy, she is the boy that he never had, and Mm -hmm. he definitely treated her as another intellect. Yes. Which I think is really interesting, because, I mean, coming from a family of just girls, I can tell you, like, I love my dad and everything, but, you know, he never taught me how to use tools or anything like that, and he's a carpenter. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's just those biases come in sometimes, and he seemed to respect her in that way. Yeah. And he... um. He was a speechwriter for the Department of Defense and then became a professor in Hawaii. So it it seemed like there was a lot of like foundation for, you know, Jennifer to get a really good education and, you know, have access to become interested in these things, mm-hmm. um, which was cool to learn more about that background. Yeah. Another big part of this section was really kind of talking about some of the origins of like life, which some of this we learn, like, yeah, like we learn about the Galapagos, we learn about the seed story and like, you know, you do that initial seed project where it's like, if you want blue flowers with curly, Mm -hmm. you know, pointy stems or like, you know, what's the seed combination that's going to get you that? Yeah. Like, I remember that experiment. (laughs) Yeah. She talks, um, it. She goes into, or they go into a lot of history on, like, history of genetics with Darwin and Mendel. Mm -hmm. um, And then also just, like, the history of science. And they talk about the atom, the bit, the gene, and, like, kind of the smallest units of science. um, Which I thought was cool, too, because I... I'm not chemistry background. I'm not computer science background. So it was cool to learn about those things. Yeah, it was really cool. One of the biggest stories out of that, though, was the story of Watson Crick, Franklin and Wilkins. Yeah. So, I mean, we started off like, la, 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 touching the sleeping grass, everything's nice. And then my, I was on a plane and my blood was just pumping, pumping, boiling, um, So did you, I'm interested, like, did you know about this story from school? So Franklin sounds familiar, and I feel like maybe she's been referenced in my high school career before. Yeah. Um, It sounded familiar, especially in relation to, like, the radiation Mm -hmm. poisoning that Franklin ends up getting. But I can't say that I, like, specifically remembered this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I don't think in high school or, you know, middle school or anywhere, even maybe, I, maybe in college, but, um, like, undergrad, I don't think it's something that is in textbooks very often or talked about in class. No. Um, but it, uh, the book goes um, through the kind of 
race to discover the structure of DNA and the story of James Watson and Francis Crick, and then also talks about um, the just complete backstabbing of Rosalind Franklin. <laughs> um, and I, I um, have read The Double Helix, which is by James Watson, and I remember him referring to her as Rosie, and it's just such a fucking slap in the face. <laughs> like, she didn't refer to herself as that. No, like, none of her close colleagues or friends did. And then he, you can just tell, like, that's how he under, undermined her as a person, as a scientist. Um, talked about her looks rather yeah. than her work. And then ended up basically plagiarizing her work. Watson and Crick, they're described as playful, rambunctious kind of... Self-appointed jesters in a court of fools That's... is how they refer, or I, I think how Watson referred I, to them. I don't think I would want to be referred to as that. Yeah. But there's multiple instances where these two are basically told, like, stay away from this research. Like, yeah. there's already people studying this. Like, if you want to do something, stay away from this. Mm-hmm. Well, what do these jack-offs do? <laughs> On the other hand, though, I think that also gets to another really big point point of this book which Mm -hmm. is the competitive nature of research and science and how that moves yeah everything forward and how important that is to have but also (laughs) people get stepped on like in that process and unfortunately in this situation um it was Rosalind and they say you know she she passed away unfortunately at 38 and um wasn't included on the Nobel Prize I don't think if she was still alive that she would have been included um, on the front end. I don't know. Maybe on the back end things would have been changed. But Yeah. So basically to describe a little bit about their work, look it up. It's a great <laughs> portion of the story. Or yeah, the it's, it's a big portion of the book, which I really yeah. liked. Yeah. it's Watson and Crick are doing this research, but Franklin really has the technology to be able to not photograph it, but kind of photo it. Through crystallography. Yep. Yep. So she's really the one, like, driving it. And then uh, there's also Wilkins or Wilkinson. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Who is doing similar research. And I've got the feeling that Franklin and Wilkinson were at least, like, cordial, collaborative, maybe a little. And at one point, at one point, Watson and Crick are there as well, and they're all debating each other about mm-hmm. what the structure means and why. And Franklin does have her points that she's wrong about in the yeah. structure that Watson and Crick were able to clear up, mm-hmm. but without Franklin's work, they wouldn't they be able to do this. Yeah, and I think that I think it's I think it's Wilkins. Wilkins. This okay. is how much I don't care about him. <laughs> but I think I think he, I mean, they worked in the same lab, so I think there was some cordialness, but I think he was also not super respect. I think I was reading something where he, when they got introduced to each other, because he was out of town when she was hired, um, he just assumed that she was the secretary. And so, like, from that point, it just the was misogyny. never. Yeah. The misogyny. And I think that he ended up sharing the photograph 51 is what they refer to the um the key, image. the key image and so yeah i think there was like it was debates of you know how many helices are there how many water molecules are there are the branches jutting out or are they kept within the helices and everyone had a bit that was correct and a bit that was incorrect and 
if there was some better collaboration, maybe it could have um, ended up better. But, yeah. I mean, they, they found it. Yeah. So... Emily mentioned the Nobel Peace Prize, too. That's a really big thing. So yeah. the Nobel Peace Prize only allows you to have three winners. You can't have any more than three. Yeah. Franklin happened to die from cancer she got from radiation exposure from the crystallography. Yeah. Ovarian cancer. Which is so fucked up. Like It is, it is past irony. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> just, ugh. And had she been alive, it would have forced the Nobel team to basically choose which mm-hmm. one of these four would be left out. Yeah. By her dying, unfortunately, they don't have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It, it's just like, and there's no, but it's just like, that's how it is. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but I think that there's been um, a lot more education about Rosalind Franklin and on that note, I just want to give some background on our girl. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, the the book did give a lot of information, but it didn't go into, like, her background. So I just had a few points. A few shout-outs for the queen herself. A few shout-outs for the queen herself. We, um, we love nominating a king or a queen. Oh, yeah. She is definitely, I mean, like, in part one, for sure. Yeah. Um, so she was born July 25th in 1920 and she grew up in Notting Hill, London, and she was one of five children. Um, one of her, I think it was one of her sisters said when she first learned about God, she was quick to question his gender. Like that's how she was as a child. And like she started talking at two and like started making fun of her older brother. Like for being behind, like she's a badass. She's like advanced. She's very super intellect, and she was drawn to science um, between like eleven and fifteen years old um, when she excelled um, in school at like this really competitive kind of privatized school, and she won six academic distinctions. And she later went to um, Cambridge to do her work, um, where a colleague stated she was straightforward, even forthright, forthright, and not inclined to be diplomatic. Um, which I think is also a theme of uh, some of the females in this book um, to make advancements. I think um, you had to be straightforward and competitive mm-hmm. and uh, not, you know, let yourself get walked over. Um, that is one thing Walter Isaacson does really well of like not only talking about the collaboration and the competitiveness that drives that drives science forward, mm-hmm. but also the role women have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then she earned her PhD in physical chemistry in 1945, um, and then she became fascinated with crystallography at the Laboratory Central in Paris, France, and that's kind of how her story starts that we just covered. But just a bit of bit of background on our gal, on our queen, Rosalind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think I had anything other there. I just had one sentence from the book, too, where Franklin tells, I think it's to Watson, you are wrong for the following reasons. (laughs) One, you know, like, it's just. That's the ultimate clapback as a female of, like, let me list the ways Mm -hmm. that I will prove you that you're a jack. And you can't, like. Be mad about it because I'm coming to you with the evidence. Um, yeah. But yeah, anything else on that? Yeah. So Watson wasn't all that terrible. He does help Doudna again, bringing it back to her life. 
She went to school. She yeah. jumped around a, little, a couple different places. She went to um, Panoma, where she studied with Watson. Um, and she credits Watson for showing that science can be fun. So the jester himself, not that bad. Yeah. Um, and he did... Um, and, and she herself says that she was really inspired by the female scientists. They kind of kept her on track. Um, and also, I really love the story in college when I think it was when she was working at one of her first research labs. She joined a team under a female scientist and she learns, hey, you're going to be working on this project. Your goal is to crystallize this one mm-hmm. um, bacteria, part of a bacteria, whatever. <laughs> Here's my science. Um, Make it a crystal. I know. It's bacteria. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they learn that this guy's been doing this, trying to get this to crystallize for a month. And down the basement comes in, tries growing it instead of of in a Petri dish in a large baking pan and gets it to go away. Yeah. So first kind of badass moment of like, (laughs) you suck. But it also kind of shows that like, she's willing to get more creative and like go outside the lines a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I will say Watson again with the human genome mapping because that story is important as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that through the excerpts from Doudna and then, um, from Isaacson talking about, James Watson and how like he did try to um push women in science forward um in his own way Mm -hmm. I think he's also very antiquated in some of his beliefs and the way that he goes about things um he has said some pretty not great not great things um which yeah talked about yeah and um they talk about Cold Harbor Springs and all the work with the race to mapping the human genome. Um, I went to school in Long Island, and so we went to Cold Harbor Springs. What? And James Watson wasn't there when we were there, but like classes before us got to meet him. And um, I think that the way that everyone has described him sounds like the way that he's <laughs> described in the book. And he's just, I think he like drives like a green Jaguar or a Viper around the campus. Like he's just, he's kind of a jackass, but like, he's just like that new money description of like 18 year old forever that is loaded. <laughs> but then they also talk about his son yeah, and that entire story too. Um, in his what drove him even more to be a part of the mapping of the human genome to help his son and his own mental illness and struggles um, and trying to find like the hereditary heredity behind that. So it was just like, I felt like I got really good both sides of the coin information from this book. Yeah. Um, James Watson. Cause I was definitely not much of a fan before this. Yeah. The human, the human genome mapping section is like interesting because it is kind of what led to the study of CRISPR and RNA um, because really we spent all this time and money, $3 billion worth investigating and mapping this human genome or of like all the DNA for what? Like, did it really do much? And they talk about that of like, did this really benefit anyone? Because there's no even simple cures that came out of this. Yeah, I think, and I think that's something 
in my line of work when I was in clinic was like a big thing is we have this information. Thank you for giving us this information. What do we do with it now? Um, and I think, you know, obviously mapping the human genome helped us to build a reference mm -hmm. genome to our best, the best of our abilities to look at and say, okay, usually we see an A in this position. Usually we see a T in this position. If it differs in a patient that has these certain symptoms, does that mean anything? Um, but I, I think I agree, like, in this book, it kind of helps expand upon that story, which I mean, there's many books that just talk about the race to sequencing um, and like the different technologies, the ones that like were more cost efficient, the ones that were more like time efficient and things like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, we really get to like the actionability in this book, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is also where we first meet Eric Landers. <laughs> I have to say, hope you picked up my voice there. <laughs> I woke up at well, I, I was already awake, but like at six thirty, like yeah, slaps coming from Janelle about <laughs> Eric Landers. I was like, yes. So uh, I, I will um, let you expand upon that. Mm. I'm not ready yet. We'll <laughs> okay, get to yeah, him in we'll part three. It. Yeah, but Eric Landers from the start, um, his background was he was a math team. <laughs> A math team captain like, I'm and mean like <laughs> does all this like homey stuff and you're like oh my god this guy sounds great and then yeah. it's like oh he's a geneticist on the side like yeah great guy great guy there's another guy on this project craig venter he's a vietnam draftee he's a biochemist um but was also very corporate and like he ended up making a company called uh solera mm -hmm. so these two did not get along. Oh, and there's um, Francis Collins. Collins took over after Watson stepped yeah. down from this project. Mm -hmm. Watson was originally leading this project to map it all. Um, Collins comes in and he's uh, really the one to come in and, and um, take over after Watson. And I think that's when Watson's son was sick. And so mm -hmm. he, like, had to step away from the main kind of running of things. Um, and this is, like, the first time you really... Like, not the first time. Um, because Watson Crick and Franklin and uh, Wilkins was their own story of collaboration, competition. But you see it again between Collins and Venter, mm -hmm. specifically. And because this project was, like, funded by the government... Yeah. You had Bill fucking Clinton calling for a truce between these two because their fighting was so bad. Over pizza and beer. Over pizza and beer. <laughs> Which I'm like, don't all great disputes get solved over pizza and beer? <laughs> Do they? Are they friends now? I don't know. And there's, like, so much things that, like... Because I knew about the kind of, you know, competition and the race with this, but I didn't know, like the little intricacies about like Al Gore pushing Venter to like allow Collins to be with him on the Times Magazine and those like little things. And you get into it so much more in the book mm -hmm. too about how little actions really hurt people's feelings and really break bridges in the scientific field. So yeah. I, it was, it's just, it's a long book, but you get the details that you want, which I really liked. Yeah. And this is like something that like echoes something that happens later yeah. in part three. So it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. But because of this project, Doudna really decided to focus on RNA, which I think was, you know, her her bread and butter right yeah. here. Yeah. Um, 
so I'll give that. Let's, let's learn about RNA. Let's learn about RNA. So I mean, and I was like, literally like, I'm going to write all these definitions and I'm going to like have all this stuff and be so prepared. The first half, I did that. The second half, I didn't because I it was can't. Long. It no, was long. No, literally my note was RNA, messenger to make proteins, PhD. <laughs> That's hey, my notes. You, I mean, it's, so the RNA molecule and how life began. What is RNA? So it is ribonucleic acid and um, it acts as a messenger like you said, carrying instructions of DNA to synthesize proteins. Um, and RNA can also carry in, um, genetic information in viruses. And so um, I think this is how Doudna really put herself on the map is because everyone at this time was focusing on DNA um, and not on RNA. And so um, we get into kind of more of her background on that. Um, and also uh, just a quick, you know, thing, the central dogma might help everyone understand. Here we go. <laughs> I like this. It's helping me already. Yeah. It's just very simple. It's DNA and through transcription, you make RNA and then RNA through translation to make protein. So that's really all you need to know. And it's not a nice. we'll, we'll make sure to post that picture. <laughs> I'm never going to get a job ever. <laughs> I was like, I have to be very careful what I say during this episode and make sure I like, I should get like a voice changer. <laughs> She's no longer Emily. She goes by Tommy. Yeah. Like for this episode, I, no. Denounce I, everything I've ever learned. Yes. No comment. Um, and so, um. They, I think we're well within part two now, right? Yeah. Uh, the only other things <laughs> that I have for part one is, um, she, so she she talks about like in the 1980s, ooh, 19 babies. 19 babies. <laughs> 1980s. Uh, and she talks about ribozymes were found by studying, studying introns, um, which a little bit of background on that. So like in our DNA, we have genes, which are basically sections of the DNA that we find a beginning and an ending to, and we know within that it has some sort of molecular function. And within a gene, you have exons and introns, and exons have the DNA that actually codes for protein, so the DNA that will actually make that messenger RNA to make protein, and then the introns um, separate exons, and that area doesn't make um protein and so that was really interesting because it again people were studying dna but really they were looking at the coding dna too and not so much the introns so i think that Doudna was just really stellar for looking at the things that like people weren't looking at at that time it really gave her a head start yeah yeah and then she did a postdoc at CU Boulder, which is where I went. Hey. <laughs> and then in 1993, she went to Yale. I, do, I don't even know why I wrote this. I just said 1993, Yale, period. Crystals, y'all. So <laughs> I'm guessing, I think. Oh, that, that might have been where, no, it was Harvard, where the professor told her not to do something. And then, and then she did it her way anyways, and it worked. And, it worked. and she basically was like, <laughs> fuck you do yeah i think that's where she she used crystallography on rna to yes. kind of do the same process to find out the structure of rna in the same way that they did with dna 
So really, she's like living in the shoes of her friend Rosalind, another woman. It's, it was just really cool to see um, how that all played out. Yeah. Um, I do like the story with her getting that clear picture of the RNA. Mm-hmm. She, they describe it as green fettuccine, but I guess you guess who said it? <laughs> Wait, I don't. Is it Kate? No, her dad. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, yeah. She talks about she's like going back and forth in this sec this part of part one where she's like talking about her work and then talking about that work with her dad, who she's always looked to as like an intellectual guidepost. Yeah, and at this point, her dad is sick. Yes, yeah. Um, he, I think, gets a form of cancer. I think, yeah. I think that's right. Um, and it's, like, really fast. And so she's having to go back to Hilo to visit him, but, like, is also in the midst of what we're going to get into next, which is, like, the big project. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much the end of part one. I think the only other thing was that at the end she went to Berkeley yeah, and I think this is where she makes her first, or the other big discovery about the dicer and the messenger RNA. Mm-hmm. Yes. So my scientific notes on this says, this, the dicer silences messenger RNA from making new proteins. Boom. What up? I'm smart. You are smart. Good job. <laughs> I didn't write that down, so thank you. Part two, bitches. Part two. <laughs> so um, I, like, don't have that I mean, that many notes, but a lot does happen in part two as well. So this is where we get into more about CRISPR and how it's used and bacteria immune systems and bacteriophages, which was like, this is where I was totally out of my realm. Like I do dry lab stuff. I do not do wet lab stuff. And I don't know a lot about bacteria. (laughs) But um, it was really interesting, like learning about how um, like viruses can get into bacteria and then bacteria has this kind of like self-immune system that I think it's like they take part of the virus's DNA and put it in to their own yeah. sequence to protect themselves in the future, to like ba- build immunity basically. Yeah. So it's getting, this is like the, the meat the of her, up. yeah, of her huge discovery. Um, and so this is where we get a lot of information on this like, curiosity driven science and how um it's not like this is the project you're gonna work on and you're gonna do this next and this next it's finding these questions going back to like her ability to ask the why of how things happen um but then we also talk about the cas or the crispr adjacent genes Mm -hmm. um the cas was the memory of the virus um, that would attack. So basically that's where the proteins right after were where it was stored. And then we go into phages, which you described earlier. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it, you know, Science. read the book. Um, they explain it they really well. It great. Um, but this is kind of where we get the combination of CRISPR and CASs to start this process of editing. Mm-hmm. Banfield is someone, she's a little woman that uh, Donda got the call about CRISPR. Like, have you heard about this? And that really turned Donda on to this. And they describe this, like, lunch meetup call of, like, a bit of excitement and, like, 
just like both of them kind of like giddy and they hit it off and they yeah. decide to, to pair. But Dada's one big thing is that she didn't have anyone to like take on this project within her lab. Mm-hmm. That's when we meet Wheaton Hef. Oh, yeah. Wheaton Hef, I think he's just like, he just sounds adorable. He's an outdoorsman, <laughs> microbiologist. I just blew right over him. You, you really <laughs> did. I'm like, uh, you're like putting, like you're just like blowing shame to a whole note of pages it's like, for me. This is like your Johnson. I know. <laughs> he really is. Wheaton Hef and Eunuch are like my boys. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no, I was like, bye. <laughs> but, like, Wheaton as, as the microbiologist, like, she happened to interview him or something, or they, like, came across, and he's like, have you heard of this CRISPR? And she's like, well, in fact, yeah, I just had this lunch. So he just sounds adorable. He was an idea. Uh, he almost failed out of college because he, like, just wanted to go hike Yosemite all the time, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Which really spoke to me. Yes. And then he, like, um, wanted to, like, he studied a lot of the... Um, the little microbes that were in the, the hot springs. Yeah. Which so, I feel like that helped him focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he became interested. Yes. In CRISPR. And then Yenik was the crystallographer. Mm-hmm. And he worked on RNA structure and enzymes. And the two of them together really helped Donda on her research over the next couple years to really make her big discovery. So I just wanted to point out them, at the very least. No, that that is very good because, I mean, we focus a lot on... Oh, God, a cat is trying to break in here. Um, <laughs> Doudna and the other kind of, like, big players. But as you all know, it's the little it's the little people that actually yes. get the work done that are pipetting and doing everything <laughs> to get there. So, um, I mean, there's so many that are mentioned, which yeah. I appreciate. Yes. Like, they... they mention names they mention how they're like listed on publications and what they did and things so yeah and then the other big thing about this part before we jump ahead is that you really see how donda goes about her work and that's really identifying the structure first yeah to use that to understand how it works yeah and that's kind of the repeat theme with like most of this through part two and three yeah i feel like that's where it kind of like it was like her kind of like story of discovering the structure and then like the starting talks of CRISPR and it like kind of jumps around to like other people who are working on it um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's nice because it shows a lot of the collaboration within the labs, but then like the competitive, the the competitiveness, not here yet, but we're almost there. Yeah. (laughs) So, and so at that point, this is like, she is like gotten the structure down and then mm-hmm. it, this is where she like starts hearing about CRISPR and then she meets with Charpentier like at a conference and they like hit it off yeah okay and yeah and they meet, Charpentier and... like had ideas for CRISPR initially okay I was like I don't have I literally just have Charpentier dash my girl so I really didn't yeah. prepare very well for this <laughs> section <laughs> Um, yeah, meetings at the conference, Mm -hmm. starting to talk about collaboration. Um, they kind of describe, describe it as like they were loose and trusting. It sounded like they were kind I mean, so Charpentier is on the other side of the world from Doudna. And so they kind of like, they want to start doing this collaboration with like the research that they both have. So they kind of like work on things and like drop it in Dropbox and kind of, yeah, I have this like loose um, collaboration, but 
I don't know if it's Isaacson or Doudna that's like saying these things, but they try to like kind of say that Charpentier is just kind of like this like super unorganized, like, <laughs> just super French, super French person. And I'm like, they they sound their life sounds great. She's like. She just left her phone everywhere and she would get us lost and she just didn't have any like sense of, you know, time or direction. But when she sat down at dinner or sat down at a conference to talk about something, she was super focused. And I was just like, yeah, because she's just living her life. Leave her yes. alone. Yes. They described her as a recluse. Yeah. Of, <laughs> of words you don't want to be described. As yeah. A recluse is probably one of them. Yeah. Um, she studied various things. She never kept her interest very long. She bounced around. She didn't like being attached to people. Yeah. God damn. I doesn't doubt and I ask her at one point, like, oh, do you think you'll ever settle down and like get married and have kids? And she's like, that is something that does not interest me. <laughs> it's like, love this. I love that. I love that. But yeah. it, um, this, I, they have like a very interesting relationship that like ebbs and flows. But like, I feel like the time that's spent like describing it shows how important the relationship was. Yeah. For part two, at least, like, those two hit it off. I love when they describe their work pattern. So one other, or two other people is Sommenheimer and Marafini. They're um, at a lab. And I think, actually, they are two that were talking to Charpentier. Yeah. The research they were working on. Um, but they needed Doudna to really help capture the structure and and do her work on that side of things that she was good at and this is where the tracer rna comes in where doudna's paper like definitively mentioned like the need for tracer rna for the the crispr system to work and doudna's i mean sorry charpentier's didn't but charpentier was like well that was just you know like of course i knew that that needed to be included but i think doudna's very like particular and is like no you didn't say it yeah so it was kind of like a publication off but then they collaborated in the end and had dinner and we're just like recognizing the gravity they knew once that paper came out and they presented it at that conference everyone like someone literally stood up and was just like wow 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 like (laughs) and the conference is so crazy too so for background it's a dedicated CRISPR con conference because this is like growing in popular yeah. now it's been found because of Donda's initial research and Charpentier's paper and her research it's like known now like oh shit this holds DNA of a virus to give it immunity mm-hmm. so all of a sudden everyone's like well shit this is an area to study so there's actually another competitive paper that is sent to Downdom before this conference. <laughs> yeah. And she uses that paper to go back to her publisher and say, I need to rush this process yeah. and get this printed before it's published. Which is like, it, it is very funny because it, it's, um, there's the back and forth of what is a, like collegically appropriate and what yes. is like you have to do to forward science. And I think when she does this here, where she like reaches out to have her paper published first, there is no issue. But when things happen in the future that are kind of similar, there's issues there. So it is really interesting, but it's, this is like 
everyone it's a race yes everyone's getting close to the finish line and they want to be first and basically the way in the science world if you're not published it doesn't count yeah and you have no claim to the science Mm -hmm. and it also echoes at this conference you can't speak unless you have something published yes so the who it wasn't baron Koo, i don't think but whoever was leading the conference has also studied in this area let the other person the competitive paper speak before her and she's like i'm gonna have to share credit with this guy now because all because this guy is letting him talk before i make my discovery Mm -hmm. and donda's just sitting there waiting to pick him apart Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's all these little things about like who Mm -hmm. not only who gets published first but who gets to speak first at the conference yes like is they're fighting for and oh my gosh these two poor researchers Mm -hmm. practiced it like two times through made it interactive with the audience from there in part three we get to talk about her competitors moving forward because yes it is a race as we mentioned but her two big competitors in this are feng chang Mm-hmm. and church yes and so it's like everyone knows it can be done in a test tube now who's going to be the first to show that it could be done in a human cell this is like the big race and this is where we get the key players that there is some dirt there is some, some scratching shit. yeah there's it's claws out yes so just to give some background on both of them chang is a guy Young computer nerd is what he's turned uh, is what he's described as <laughs> until he turned into a biologist through a Saturday school program. So obviously very gifted. Yes. Through this, um, he really took an interest in DNA and RNA, and his teachers would always like talk about enzymes. So he, you know, he knew that was the answer to a lot of questions was enzymes. Yeah. Um, which is where this is all happening, right? <laughs> So he was awarded an opportunity to work at a local hospital, which he got to do like some cool ass shit. Like he got to do some fluorescence from a fish into a human hand and help stabilize that fluorescence in the hand. Um, And then he got to work on like breaking down HIV into its components and understanding how they work. So he, super smart dude, he went to Harvard Fuck Harvard and the Burrowed Institute. I mean, they're doing very strongly about this part. This man. (laughs) Well, Isaacson does a really good job of, like, again, giving you both sides of the coin. And he tries to be fair. And he, like, tells about, like, his parents being immigrants and, like, being, like, super into computer science and, like, all the things that they did in their community. And, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I really like him. He sounded so pleasant. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He sounded so pleasant. And, like, he talks about, like, helping his friend through depression and him himself going through depression and, like, understanding, like, what that that feels like. And then the other player, George Church of Harvard. And so it was interesting because Feng Zhang... I don't know if I'm pronouncing. I think that's right. Feng Zhang worked under George Church at Harvard. Yes. As a graduate student. And so this is where there was a betrayal. Yes. So Church actually was a single child, um, or a child of a single parent, until he was adopted by his mom's um, new husband. (laughs) And she married a doctor. How fun. Um... (laughs) This part is so funny. I love... This is actually, like, the highlight of, like, his childhood. This doctor would let George actually dose him with (laughs) painkillers. He's like, I later discovered that he was addicted to painkillers. Like, no shit. (laughs) 
He taught you how to use a hypodermic needle and shoot him up. <laughs> like as a child. As a child. As a child. I can't say I'd be comfortable with that, but hey. It was the what? It was the what? Yep, 80s. It was the time. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that, that cracked me up. Um, and he would actually give some of the patients their medication as well. Um, he also did his own little self-biology experience where he would start with tadpoles and he put one in like nasty water and then one with, um, good water and watch the tadpoles grow different in size. And then when he went to college, (laughs) he actually started dosing the tadpoles with steroids. Yes. So using his like, like medications for hypothyroidism. Yeah. Yeah. So church is definitely described as a little bit of, a little bit of kooky, a little bit of, um, crazy. Um, his, Oh, it wasn't in college that he was doing that. It was actually a boarding school. Yeah. And, because his dad's a doctor. Um, he got to do coding, computer programming, took all the math and science classes that he could, and really took advanced learning classes. Um, <laughs> good story about George. Literally wrote that. <laughs> he went to Duke University and he got two undergraduate degrees within a two-year time frame. When they said that, I was like, what? Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Fuck you. I got Too one smart. in like five years. <laughs> same (laughs) i said which is a psychopath move in the making (laughs) then he went on to get his phd and he became so obsessed with his studies for his phd that he started skipping classes and actually the dean of duke sent him a letter saying that you are no longer a candidate for a phd and instead of being sad or pouting about this he actually frames it on his wall and treats it like a prize. <laughs> I feel like this is the story of like all great minds is they just Seriously. can't stay in the lines and they have to color outside. Yep. Yep. At this point, he had been published five times and has worked his way into a spot at Harvard Medical School. Which I'm like, good for you, Harvard, for like seeing obviously something other than what's well, on a transcript. Yeah. Um, I also love he is actually interested in bringing back the woolly mammoth. Oh my gosh, literally I have, he is trying to Jurassic Park this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, they're like, we found a hair of a woolly mammoth. Would you be interested in trying to bring him back? He, and it's, he is currently still trying to do this. Yes, so a bunch of TikTok kids <laughs> actually invested in this. Oh my gosh. Josh Richards is like one of those TikTok kids that's like, I'm trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. And oh it's like gosh. they're literally trying to take an elephant or like they're like what put, is it? like a elephant uh it's literally like the jurassic park movie that they show where they're like we right. took the dna sequence from a frog and we inserted <laughs> the, like it's what they're trying to do it's crazy yes and also another fun fact he actually worked on the human genome project as well was not previously mentioned or maybe he was briefly mm-hmm. and him and landers did not get along, and Landers actually kicked him off the project. Yeah, I th- it's um, there's there's big egos everywhere. Is the moral of the story? Yeah, these researchers, they're just like us. They're just like us. Yeah, <laughs> everyone wants credit because what else is there? I guess. So chapter twenty four really goes back to um, Feng Fengjing. Yes. Um, and how he started tackling CRISPR actually around the same time that Doubtna did. Um, and he started getting really excited about it. 
And one of the things he did is he basically submitted to the lab this concept of um, not specifically clarifying like what part of CRISPR or any bit of it as a gene editing tool, but he basically said, like, put it down that he was going to start researching in this area. And, like, documenting it in lab notebooks. <laughs> yes. To kind of show that this work is being done at this time. Yes. He also kind of throws shade when being interviewed about Doudna and how she's, her research is based on bacteria. Yeah. And he is just like, I can't waste time putting in the bacteria. Like, I am going to do it directly into mammalic cells. So, um, that's something that's kind of repeated of like between him, between Landers, like they frown upon this like bacteria first because it's a non-nucleic, um, body Mm -hmm. in comparison to the cells that they're using, which are mammalic and have a nucleus. Um, you also hear a little bit about his work with George, Mm -hmm. um, and he studied under George and then basically like George Church didn't know that he basically left his team to go work on CRISPR. And yeah. yeah. It's like I think there's there's probably fault on like both sides, like mm-hmm. misunderstanding and miscommunication, but like it sounded it sounds like Church was very hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he... Which I, I kind of understand. Like, I'm like, obviously, you worked under this person. And the person that um, Feng Zheng was reaching out to was currently a grad student under Church's lab. Under Church. Like, that's Which is super messed up. But then, and then that grad student was like, I think I handled everything correctly. Like, the PIs are supposed to talk to each other. But it's like, also, maybe make sure that the PIs are talking to each other. I don't know. It was... I would, if I, I would feel the same way that church does. Yeah. And, and you could tell church stuck it to heart of like, I try to communicate collaboration. And yeah. like, I think you see that clearly through church and what he's doing. Whereas like the shadiness, you can tell it's like, apparently the morals I tried to conduct in our group while nothing was like ethically wrong, it still doesn't sit well with him. Yeah, he just doesn't so. understand, like, why couldn't we all work together to make this happen? But I think that's also kind of uh, the nature of the beast, too. Like, people want to have full credit or, like, be at the be the first author, you know, the last author. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and even Landers, who later becomes a champion of Zhang, um, even Landers kind of, like, initially kind of sense that Zhang is a little bit shady. Mm-hmm. Which is saying something. <laughs> but then we... <laughs> the salt is heavy. The salt is heavy. The salt is building and it's heavy. I, I, oh, I, I draw, I mean, I get very heated later on about Landers, so I completely understand. Mm-hmm. But at this point, we're kind of like, it's everyone's racing to get their publication out. And it's just like, it kind of seems that things are just being pulled together as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And, um... The person working in Doudna's lab is like, we're not ready to publish, but she's like, we need to publish to be in the same time frame as these other papers that yeah. she knows are coming out. So it's this part, I mean, there's a long portion of this part of the book that surrounds just kind of like the back this and forth. This whole battle. Like, yeah. Really, part three is, is the battlefield for everything <laughs> after this paper. And like, so 
talking about Downa a little bit, she mm-hmm. actually took a break after yeah. Charpentier. And Charpentier decides she wants to do something outside of CRISPR, whereas, like, Downa's like, I feel like I want to stay in CRISPR, but also, like, maybe I want to go outside of a research lab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time she went to Genentech. And this is where, you know, her 2012 paper is out. And I mean, I imagine so many people are reaching out to her. So she's probably just like in a sea of opportunity, mm-hmm. which led her to Genentech. Yeah. And it, I mean, it seems like with research, especially when you're like this big discovery maker on this level, it's like, do I take it to a company and profit? off of it when you literally make no money in academia yeah Yeah. and then so do you do you go that route and it's interesting because like the universities actually encourage the researchers to start their own companies so that way the patents could like be under the institutions yes which is a whole nother thing we'll get into but (laughs) And, and that's just crazy and so with that one of her researchers underneath her horowitz Um, she's described as like both research, but just Rachel Horowitz, Rachel Horowitz. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then has this knack for like marketing and everything else. So they start their own company between the two of them, um, and get started. And Rachel really like runs with that while Doudna stays with the lab. Mm -hmm. But after this paper, she decides, let's just give this corporate go, go around her friend's working at Genentech. He talks about how much he loves it. She goes there and literally gets sick yeah. from how much she hates it. I think it was like one of those things where you're like, there has to be something like medically wrong. Like there's no way that stress could make me feel this way. But then you step away from a little bit and you, the stress and the illness goes away and you're like, oh fuck. This is killing me. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a physical reaction of like, you're not doing what you should be. Yeah. So she talks about that. She only lasted two months. And then she basically calls up Berkeley and is like, hey. They're like, do you want to come back? And she's like, yeah, please. I want a pipette. No. (laughs) (laughs) I want to come home now. Yeah. Because I I don't think, I mean, I think for her, it's, it doesn't sound like it's about the money that much. Because she obviously has a lot of opportunity to make a shit ton of money. It, it's just like she needs something that keeps her engaged. And I'm assuming that the business side didn't really do that for her. Yeah. Yep. So she goes back and this puts her late in the game on this mm-hmm. research. Yeah. Um, Zing and Church clearly have a head start on her. But she's got something they don't. And she understands structures and she understands how it helps work um, with them. So she starts catching up on the lab. She hired someone, um, and they started working with yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that person came from Zang's lab. <laughs> See, I know it's like it's never ending. Like it's never ending. Yeah, you can't fault one without like noticing. Like, well, it happens on the other end too. Yeah, yeah. and how like do they sign non competes? It's a university. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I, my answer to that is yes. well I mean at least in some parts of medicine you have to but yeah yeah so this really kind of gives her the head start that she needs um one of the big things that Zhang is going about his research is that the role of the tracer RNA and it needs to be there not only to cause the split of 
something. The DNA strand. Yes. To like find the correct spot to do the breaking. But then it has the more prominent role of helping hold it all together. Right. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe I misinterpreted that. I, I read the book. <laughs> no comment. Um, I feed the fence. <laughs> so so Jennifer catches up. She starts. You know she hears about these other papers. She actually talks to George about his paper, and he actually sends her his paper about the research. And the big thing with Zhang and Church's studies is that they realize um, this simple RNA sequence that Doudna used in her 2012 in the bacteria, that's not going to work for the mammalic cells. It needs to be a longer sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they tweak it. Zhang tweets his, or Chang's... Um, Feng Zhang. Feng... Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also... Zhang is the... I think he's the graduate student. Oh, fuck. Okay. No, it, there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> Every time I said Zhang, it's Feng Zhang. <laughs> We're also um, two cocktails in, so... Yeah. Um, so he tries one way and it works, but not great. Church actually stabilizes, um, this part and finds one that actually does Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to and, and is really more successful. It just sounds like churches is more well thought out, more applicable, just a better solution and paper. Yes. So... Doudna and Yenik are working on this and they have something that finally kind of works and she's just like, we need to publish because the competitive side of her is coming out if she's going to have any claim. But Yenik's like, happen. no, Yenik's like, I need to run all these tests. Like, and he, I think at this point he's seen the data from the other papers and is like, we need more. Like mm-hmm. we don't, you know, like, and I feel for him because he's new in the field yes. and you know, and he's afraid of having his name attached to this. But I think down is like, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Chill. And I think it's also like, you see the collaborative side of church of like, not only did he share the paper, but he actually encouraged down yeah. to publish. Um, cause she asked him straight up, like, is there any point in me doing this? And he's like, you had your stumbles that were learning blocks too. So yeah. all this research is going to be a contribution still. And it's just showing like, the more people that publish at the same time, it's just showing how accessible the use of CRISPR is. Um, and I do think that like churches and Downa's relationship, I mean, at this point in the book is really great. Like they have like the most perfect mixture of collaboration and competition. Yeah. Like they're not working together, but they understand like, how this can move science ahead so yes. much. Mm-hmm. This is also where George gives down on the deets about <laughs> his grad student yeah. working for Feng Chung. He's like, girl, you will never guess what happened. Listen to this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, this butthole is about to <laughs> mm-hmm. publish as well. So yeah, she's like, fuck. Yes. So I actually love this part of the story. Um, turns out at the same time that she decides they need to publish, She's on a getaway weekend to oh, yeah. edit a textbook <laughs> that her and her like three co-authors did. And they're in this house in the middle of California somewhere. Um, and there's no heat in the house. They're like bundled up all together, sitting around the campfire. 
editing a fucking microbiology textbook. This is the story of academia. Like, there's so many balls up in the air, and everyone feels so responsible for making sure things are done. Like, in a privatized company, this would have been, like, prioritized and other people you know like mm. it's just it's so funny when i was re- so i was like of oh, fucking course you're <laughs> editing a textbook <laughs> right. but i love it because she never told any of her co-authors that this is what she was going to do yeah but she stays up for like three extra hours to start drafting this paper because she knows if she waits she's never going to do it i'm also like the was the paper that you were working on going to alter what was maybe should be in the textbook (laughs) it was yeah that was a that was a good part i mean she was like it was that messy hair fucking work into the bone Mm -hmm. kind of mentality yeah so unfortunately the day that she finally goes to submit her paper she opens up gets an email from feng jang saying that his paper has been accepted and will be printed can you imagine? Dear Dr. Downa, FYI. <laughs> like, Screw. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh gosh. Caddy, caddy, mm-hmm. caddy. Um, so it's just like so crazy how this all happened too. Because not only did these two, like Feng Zhang submits his paper. Church submits his paper like 10 or 18 days later, not knowing about the other paper. Yeah. Finds out about the paper, finds out about his lab student. Their papers get accepted at the same time. They're yeah. going to be published at the same time, which means that they both have rights to the discovery. Well, and there was like the, it was to the same journal and the editor was like, yo, are you guys trying to like double dip mm-hmm. on? Cause I know that you used to be his grad student. So like what's going on? And I think church had to write a letter saying these are separate entities, you know, separate works. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I feel like that's where we, so like, all these papers come out and like it's out there it's in the mix now they all have these finalizing sentences of this research shows the opportunity for gene editing and humans you know like that kind of wowing and sentence and of course right after that we get into privatization Yeah, yeah, because not only did those three submit, two other papers came out the same time as Doudna's. Yeah. They all, but really those three are credited with a majority. Charpentier is still a large part of the conversation and actually gets credit. Yeah, she's she's like acknowledged um, in the Doudna's paper, but she didn't do any of the work through this. But I think there is... This is also where some kind of bad blood was started, too, because... Starting to brew. Yeah, I mean, and, which I get, too, because it's like, Charpentier's like, I was the one who initially brought you in to this kind of field in general, and we had that initial paper, so it's kind of like, I'm, it's, what is the word, prior, pri- I don't know, privatized? No, mm-hmm. or like, pr- proprietary. Proprietary, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is where, I mean, I wrote everyone coming together to make a company privatizing CRISPR-Cas9, the <laughs> Avengers. 
In one corner, we have Doudna. In another, we have Church, Charpentier, and Jung. He was invited, but he didn't show. But this is where... Yeah. It kind of... Another race to the finish starts. It really does. Like, they all want to be together. Um, they think it'll be stronger. They'll be able to license all of their work together. Yeah. Um, so, like, really more beneficial for them to kind of do it this way, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to licensing and how companies use their research. Um... But then there's some shadiness. Charpentier, though, she is actually uniting with her ex-boyfriend, boyfriend at the time, something yeah. or another. And basically, they're like, hey, he has business experience. And he, like, knows, like, um, capitalist venture mm-hmm. people, like, and investors and things like that. Clearly a lot of pros to having this guy on the team. But their ask was, make him the CEO. And they're all like, which I would also be like, no, your boyfriend's not going to be the CEO of all of our hard work. Sorry, bye. What the fuck does he know about any of this? Yeah. But then also, Doudna's like, Rachel Horowitz, like, she should be the CEO. Like, (laughs) it's all these people trying to, you know, like, have their fingers or whatever, hands in the cookie jar um, with their people their their side. Yeah. So, and then, of course, the Broad gets involved as well. And that's the route that Church, Zhang, and Doudna end up going. Is yeah. Like she, like, talks about she's traveling to Boston all the time. They're working with the Broad. They're working with capitalists that work with the Broad. She, again, is having physical gut yeah. reaction type illness. Illness because yeah. of this. But still decides to do it. And she said... But she said she like she's like Feng Zhang gave me bad vibes like from the beginning like and she felt that like he was being kind of treated as like the primary player mm-hmm. which it's like how but then this is where we get into um, what we like to call Landergate Landergate but so she goes to this dinner it's all fucking shady she realizes. They're trying to fucking cut me out. Yeah. Like, they're trying to diminish the work that her and Charpentier did. Mm-hmm. And give the credit to Zhang, who had nothing published. And not only that, his first published paper cites their paper. Yeah. And without their work, he wouldn't know the role of the tracer RNA. Mm-hmm. And it's, I like, it, I mean, it sounds like there was, like, investigations going on towards, like, the patent, too, of, like, when did mm-hmm. Feng Zhang in his lab notebooks write that he was working on this? And, like, there was, like, a lot of investigations going on. So I think they're trying to say, like, that's why they sided with him. But you know that they sided with him because they wanted it to be backed by the Broad, the Broad Institute. Yeah, he had those ties with, with Harvard. Yeah. Everything they're doing is with the Broad, like... Shady fucking shit. And then not only that, they fucking paid for a patent on her research. And I mean, as much as I, I, this might not be the case, but it's like, it happened to be them picking a man over a woman, but like, it doesn't help. No. No. Especially when like, you look at the facts and then this is where, um, in very interesting paper slash short novel is written the heroes of crispr yes where only a paragraph mentions Dauna and it's very very pointed at being malicious yeah 
So this is written by Eric Landers, um, and it happens to be during the Patton kind of, um, not, it, like the court whatever yes. proceedings and things like that where they're trying to decide, you know, should there be two separate patents? Should there be one patent that like, you know, there's a lot of logistics that go into Does that. Does one precede the other? Yes. And so, uh, I mean, I don't think it was not thought out this way that let me have this like paper come out that puts Feng Zhang and his work at the very top and then minimizes the work of Doudna. And this shit goes viral. This is where my Twitter mob comes Hashtag Landergate. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> I was like loving it. Because this is like, this is the, I mean, there's so many shitty things about social media, but like this is a great thing where information can spread so fast and stop shitheads in their tracks like this. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you don't get to write something and say it's truth. Mm-hmm. when it just because it's published um because obviously Doudna should be should have been at the forefront church should have been at the forefront Charpentier should have been at the forefront and like they all had problems with it mm-hmm. and um a, a large part of this portion um he basically just tried to rewrite history yes and give the credit of Doudna and Charpentier Try to give it to Zhang as much as possible. And, and like, yeah. he kept, like, glowing, like, how many fucking paragraphs in comparison to them. It was once again an attempt to write women out of scientific history. There's another sad piece of this, and this is the downfall of Charpentier and mm-hmm. Downing's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, they really... You know, the the thing about scientific awards, you get money for awards. This is really kind of how you make money. If you make a major discovery, you win an award, it comes with money. Mm-hmm. And it comes with recognition. It comes with more funding. So you need these awards. Um, and you need this recognition in on some levels. And we know Doudna is all about recognition. She even says, I mean, or I don't know if she says or Isaacson infers to this through his interviews that like, People say, like, your life shouldn't be your work. But, like, for some people, like, that is where they get the majority of their satisfaction. You know, like, that is their life and they want it to be that way. And that, I feel like, is definitely her. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think that Charpentier kind of dug at that and was like, why are you so worried about getting credit? And, like, why are you being, like, so competitive and things? And... It, it was just a, I don't know. It was sad. I wish yeah. they would have, you know. It felt like they went from, like, really, truly kind of respecting each other, understanding how each other functioned, and, like, respecting that outside of, like, Doudna being, like, you ever going to settle down? Like, that just wasn't going to be Char- Charpentier. But the way that Charpentier describes to Walter Isaacson, Doudna is, like, she's becoming obsessed with being this, like, scientific genetic celebrity yeah and like she loves to over exaggerate and then like on the other side Doudna's like I think she's being a little overzealous and you know she's making claims that she actually knew this back when she wrote this paper in 2011 and like all this stuff so definitely some like jealousy that's just like coming out and showing it's like kind of ugly ugly side um 
yeah, when it came to prices, it's kind of like a shame that they were stuck together. Because every time you have to be photographed together. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you like flashback to Collins and uh, Venter. Venter, where they didn't get along. Charpentier and, and Doudna no longer really get along. But Doudna's like going out of the way to like ask her to do research and work together and like try to make these things enjoyable. Or Charpentier is like, why are you trying so hard? Yeah, and I, I think it's like. I mean, when you come on the common ground of their interest in science, there's wavelengths and everything is going right. But it's, I just feel like they're just two completely different people. And, like, that's okay. And, like, yeah. they don't have to get along. Like, they don't have to be friends. Like, they can have issues, but, like, they're forever going to have that 2012 paper and that will forever tie them together. So, yeah. as we saw most recently. <laughs> um, but there's one prize in particular there's I can't remember what it's called that they describe in the book but <laughs> said Lander that fucking loser <laughs> so basically Lander finds out Doudna's gonna be given an award for her work on the 2012 paper Lander oh gosh, finds yeah. out and tries to de-emphasize Doudna's work and one of the things he does is Make it so, at the very least, Charpentier is going to be included on the paper, which, fair. Yeah, and I don't think that Downa had any issue with that. Yeah, and I don't think it was, like, her, like, overzealously going for this. Or maybe she was, who knows, but... And if she was, who the fuck cares? Like, she earned it, and, like, get your fucking award, get your kudos. Like, this Landers person... What a fuck. Well, I'm very interested in... The things that are going on now, which I will talk about in the next bit. episode, but yeah. So he gets Charpentier included, and then not only that, he thinks that he set up some kind of fucking agreement where sure Doudna and Charpentier win this year, but Zhang is gonna win it next year because he is the better one, and he like basically is just trying to swindle the judges from here on this award. Yeah. And he gets, like, freaking upset about it because, sure enough, Zang doesn't win, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's, like, you're really gonna, like, just try to, like, take away everything that these women did? I don't know if it's, like, a control thing or just a he thinks that this person represents the institute that he comes from, therefore represents himself. Um, but like, I think he should talk to someone. I think he should really look into why he feels this way and get some help. Why are you so hurt? Who hurt you? (laughs) Who hurt you? And I think, I mean, from there, it kind of just leads into like much more tension filled lawsuit. Not, I mean, there might actually have been a lawsuit, like court proceedings about who owns a patent, how these are going to be filed. They talk about, like, they get so nitty-gritty into, like, the definition of the word obvious Mm -hmm. in patent law of, you know, them saying, like, it was obvious that this was being worked on at this time and how you define obvious. obvious. differences. Yeah. It's it's very interesting, and, like, the book goes into it in much more depth, but I think, you know, at the end of part three, we kind of just you know, are left with, you know, Doudna yeah. getting the patent for, you know, in the majority of the country. I, it sounds like it, you can be 
granted a patent in many different countries, like in different ways, and she has the majority. And there was a way with the government that you could like precede like ownership versus patent. Like, yeah. So she won, like, she kind of won back the patent in, in that way. Yeah. So it was basically like Feng Zhang might have like won a few battles, but Doudna and Charpentier won the war. Yeah. Which it really sounded like Downa was the one fighting that. Yeah, but like Charpentier was just kind of like included. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to go see where it goes from here because this chapter was a little different where it's like they talked about the entirety of this CRISPR 2012 debacle and it spanned from 20, like pre 2012 with the like research and the studying and like everything else mm-hmm. to like 2018 2019 when this stuff is like finally settled with the patents yeah so it'll be interesting to kind of go back and see like what happens because obviously she's doing other research during this time while mm-hmm. still fighting for this cas9 crispr paper yeah so i i mean We'll obviously give our kind of, like, conclusion and final thoughts of the book at the end of the book. But, like, so far, I am so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. book. And, like, I love how it's written. And I love the stories with the science. And, like, I'm just, I mean, this is definitely my favorite one so far. (laughs) She dog's still my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, it's... It is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, there's still time to sway me. Yes. Um, yeah, it, you know, literally we're three parts in and literally halfway done. Yeah. So, you know, we go into CRISPR in action, so I'm guessing we're going to get a new cast of characters or more around the company and what they're doing. Yeah. Um, with this... Oh, that was a big thing, too. Once she left the Broad Institute company... Essentially, George left shortly after, too, yeah. because he was being de-emphasized um, and being discredited, and it was like, Zhang is the star. So they had different companies. Charpentier has her company. Um, Doudna actually pairs with others that, um, I think, Barangu, someone and someone, um, who also were studying yeah. this technology. So she's on a company with them. She also has her side one with Horowitz. Church has his own company. Like, they're all in different places. So it'll be interesting from here to see if that's where the next CRISPR section goes. Yeah. If it's more on the company side. And then start to get into those big old questions about CRISPR. And And the ethics and the... Gene editing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then eventually Corona. Yeah. So, I mean, we are in for some treats um jesus sorry <laughs> don't you know the first roll podcast i know <laughs> that's because we're recording on my computer and i don't have the notifications turned off and I don't... okay anyways um <laughs> thank you <laughs> Life of an marshall's just freaking marshall <laughs> savagely texting me right now um we, I mean, I apologize for, like, the spaciness in this episode because I feel like there's so much. We were, like, so excited to talk about it, and then there's yes. so much science that I don't understand fully. But, I mean, I hope that it just gives y'all, like, a baseline to get excited, get the book, read it, because I highly recommend it for literally anyone. Yes. Babies, grandmas, doctors, grocery store <laughs> workers, the Genius. president, 
Donald Trump. Read the book. Read it. And then, like, in two weeks when we go and come back to this, like, join us. Join us. Yes. You're going to be pumped up, too. Because Section 3 got me so pumped. Yeah. I was riding the high. Oh, yeah. I was, like, power walking around my neighborhood being like, I'm going to get a PhD. I'm going to do this. (laughs) Okay. I did not have that sentiment. (laughs) No. Like, listen, I know enough about DNA, RNA, tracer RNA, guide RNA. See? Look, you're going to be... Messenger RNA. I know this shit. I'm pulling Janelle to my side. Cast 12. Throw away that glue. Join (laughs) me. glue. (laughs) All right, everyone. I think we need to go um, now. By but, the way, I do love my company. I do like <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. We're going to post on our Instagram page, um, just giving some pics, some background on this episode, and also get you excited for the next episode. And then I picked this book. Janelle's going to pick our next book, and we will... Give you guys a sneak peek about that. See you on the flip side. Bye-bye.